In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints of God, he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. When Luke goes to tell of the Lord's ascension into heaven, really, he he tells the story of the book of Acts. And what's quite marvelous about these first words in Acts is, is, is how Luke writes here, the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all the things that Jesus began to do and teach. Jesus' birth and life His baptism, his three and a half years of ministry, his death and his resurrection and his appearing to the disciples was just the beginning. And then when Jesus ascends into heaven, he continues his work on earth, for his ascension is not his leaving us. The ascension is perhaps one of the most theologically loaded festivals in the church here. And you guys say, oh, great. (laughs) But we have to cover it just briefly before we get to the point. And that is, remember that Jesus, we learned in the Catechism, has two states. The state of humiliation and then the state of exaltation. The state of humiliation begins at his incarnation. The incarnation is not officially part of the humiliation, but it marks the beginning of the Lord's humiliation. And his humiliation grows and grows, or maybe better, sinks and sinks until Jesus is in the garden and then before Pilate and then on the cross, and then the last three hours of the cross, when the face of God the Father turns from him, and he cries out the prayer, the cry of dereliction, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And all of the sin of all of the people of all of the world is being born by him, and because of that, the wrath and rejection of God. So the state of humiliation comes to its culmination there, as Jesus breathes his last on the cross. But then begins the state of exaltation. Remember, his descent into hell to preach his victory, the resurrection, the appearance for 40 days, and then the ascension, just like the, 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 the three hours of darkness on the cross marked the lowest part of his humiliation, the ascension now marks the height of his exaltation where, and here's the theology part, He, according to his human nature, takes up the full use of his divine nature. Remember how in his humiliation Jesus would be tired, or he would be hungry, or he would be thirsty, or he would suffer, or he wouldn't know things. All of this is gone. When he he, uh, ascends to the right hand of the Father, all of the humiliation is gone, and now he is fully fully, uh, acting on his divine nature through his human nature. So when we talk about God, remember how we talked about this? How God God is omniscient, that means he knows all things. Omnipotent, that means he's all-powerful. What's the other one? In all places, how do we say? Omnipresent. He's in every place. Well, these attributes and every other attribute that belongs to God now belongs to Jesus according to his human nature. So his humanity is at God's right hand. That means he enters into the full exercise of his divine authority according to his human nature. Now, that's all well and good, you say, Pastor, except for I don't have any idea what you're talking about. (laughs) And I don't know why it matters. We have in the Scriptures, though, quite a marvelous blessing 
when, when the apostles themselves go to explain the ascension of Jesus into heaven. We have in Luke and in Matthew and in Mark and in the book of Acts uh, and a hint of it in John, we have a view of the, of the ascension of Jesus from below. But remember that we also have in the scriptures the picture of the ascension of Jesus from above. We had it in Daniel, and especially we have it in the book of Revelation a number of times, but especially in Revelation chapter 5. I mean, it's almost as if you have two cameras, right? And, and say Larry got up and was walking out the door in the back, and we have a camera on here, and we see him leave, but then there's a camera on the other side that sees him coming into the narthex. Well, that's how it is here. In Mark and in Acts, we have a, a camera watching Jesus leaving, and then in Revelation chapter 5, we have a camera that watches Jesus come. I'm going to read the text to you. John is in heaven, and he says, Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, that's God the Father, a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? This scroll, best we can figure, is the book of life. The Lamb's book of life that comes up later in the book of Revelation. It is the book of salvation. It's the book that if your name is written on it, you are a member of heaven, of the church of God. But the problem is it's sealed with these seven seals. And the angel says, who's worthy to open the scroll and break the seals? And no one is found. Verse 3, no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And, writes John, I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. If this scroll can't be opened, then there is no salvation. And John and the angel make the point that no one is strong enough. No one on heaven, no one on earth, no one under the earth is strong enough. But then one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. The lion of Judah. That's the Messiah. That's Jesus. And imagine it. Here John is looking at the Father in heaven, and here he has this gigantic scroll with these seals on it, and he's, and he's, and he's weeping because he, there's no one that can open it. And the angel says, stop crying. The lion can do it. And so then John opens his eyes to see the lion there opening the scroll and listen to what he sees. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing <laughs> as though it had been slain. John maybe thinks, oh, the tears in my eyes. I, I thought I heard lion, but it looks like a lamb. So he wipes away the tears and looks again, and sure enough, it's a lamb. And not just any lamb, it's a lamb that had been slaughtered, standing there on the throne, opening the seals to the book of life. And this, 
lamb had seven horns with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each of them holding a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth that's talking about you and then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. That's what ascension looks like from the other side. Jesus, the one who died on the cross, now enters into his victory. He is now crowned with authority and power and might to rule the entire universe. He sits down on the throne so that, so that the planets and the stars and the seas and the animals and everything in all of creation is now under his control. And the one that sits there is the same one that was nailed to the cross for you. The lamb who had been slain. We say sometimes casually, it's not a matter of what you know, but who you know. You've heard that before? If you have a friend in a, in a high place, then maybe you can get some of the perks. If you knew the governor before he was the governor, the president before he was the president, the CEO of the company, maybe you went to high school with them or were a college roommate, then maybe you can get some of the benefits of their high office. Well, that might be right or it might be wrong in this life, but it's true with Jesus. The one who sits on the throne of the entire universe is the one who loves you so much that he spilt his blood to have you as his friend, that he had his body nailed to the cross so that he could make you part of his family the one that suffered the agony of the rejection of his father so that he could call you holy and righteous and forgive you your sins. That's who runs and rules everything. Nothing in this world happens without Jesus knowing about it, without Jesus having something to say about it. And he rules and reigns everything, says Paul, when he writes to the Ephesians, for the sake of his body, the church. Now, this might be hard to believe, that everything in the world is governed and ruled by Jesus for the benefit of us, his people. But it is exactly 
what the ascension teaches us. He enters into his rule and into his reign just for the same reason that he does everything that he does, out of pure and undeserved love for you. So remember we had the two states of Jesus, the humiliation and the exaltation. Jesus ascends into heaven. He enters into the full use of his exalted nature. He does this so that he can bring to you the gifts of his humiliation. He ascends into heaven so that he can get his suffering and death, his body and blood to you, even tonight, 2,000 years later and thousands of miles away, so that he can deliver into your mouth his very body which was broken, his blood that was shed, and he can deliver into your ears these words. Your sins are forgiven. So we give thanks to Jesus that he ascended on high, that he sat down at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, that he took up the full use of his divinity all for us and for our life, and for our salvation. And this is our comfort and our ascension joy. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.